This is Sports Matters, your great sports show. Every Tuesday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m., I am your host, Kevin Drake. Sitting across from me is your host, Matt Burt. And then Tom Bindewald is going to be, should I say, DJ6? You can call me about <laughs> Is uh, held over because we want to open the show. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the NBA. We just had a, a new champion crowned. I know Matt and I, we're definitely going to dive into the U.S. Open. That was a really nice tournament up there at Pebble Beach. And I'll touch on Wimbledon. But before we segue into that, we'll have some quotes because there's some really good quotes. I know Matt's got some quotes. I got some quotes. This is something we've been doing new, Tom. Uh. Matt kind of spawned the idea with the quotes. And I thought, this is actually really cool. This is just something different. Yeah. Finding the most unique quotes. It was a great sports weekend, but we got to dive right into the NBA basketball. Obviously, I do not think the Warriors dynasty is over by any means. It's just unfortunate there's two catastrophic injuries. Look at the playoffs overall. Tom, I want to direct this question to you. What did you think about this Toronto Raptor team uh, led by Kawhi Leonard? What I noticed about uh, Toronto was this. When they were playing Philadelphia, which was a back-and-forth, really odd seven-game series where one team would play really well and the other team, you were wondering what was going on, and then it'd go back and forth, back and forth, and, of course, they won that dramatic seven-game series with that last second shot in uh, in regulation. And I felt at that time, you know, they 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 found themselves. I, the, the first part of that, they, they seemed to be dependent on Kawhi taking shots, and the, the team was hesitant to take shots, but then yes. towards the end, they were moving the ball around much better, and, and it showed when they played uh, Milwaukee. Even though Milwaukee beat them in the first two games, you know, the first game was really close, and then the second game, Milwaukee got, got the better yeah. of them. But, you know, the Raptors showed real character being down 0-2. They two must-wins at home. They couldn't afford to lose at home. And then they go back and they win in Milwaukee and they come back and win in Toronto and, and finish that off in six. And I noticed they were playing really good team basketball, both offensively and defensively, really just smart, had it dialed in really well. So they they came prepared for the finals. It's it's difficult. Everybody's going to say, you know, what about the injuries? What about this? But, you know, let, let's just put that behind us, you know. Hats off to Toronto. They played good team basketball, and I, and that's that's why they won. Great team basketball. Well, I think you, you got a lot of production from players who normally are kind of role players that, like, fill a role for them. I think Fred Van Fleet came up huge in, yeah. in multiple games for them, and what you needed to get from the Warriors bench, you got it from the Raptors bench, right? So I think... The guy that got MVP is Kawhi Leonard, but there's definitely a few names that you could definitely toss around. I mean, Pascal Siakam right. played above expectations. They had a lot more depth. I mean, it was just a great all-around series, but it's going to be weird seeing next year's NBA without Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. So that was those st- kind of injuries, like, yeah, for the, like, yeah, for the <laughs> yeah. most of the year. I mean, Kevin Durant's definitely out all of next year. Right. Clay right. Thompson we yep. might see in February. Nine, it said 10 to, to 
11 months. I watched that game six, and I tell you, Clay Thompson was so focused in. He was so keyed into the game. Like, he just had that look. Yeah. He was locked in. And had he not got injured, I, I believe he would have scored 45, 50 points. He would have done everything he could. And it was such a tight game. They only lost by a couple of points that if Clay didn't get injured, this definitely would have gone seven games. Right. It definitely, Who's yeah. to say that they would have won game seven? But the fact, it was tough to see him go down the way he went down. He was just playing such an amazing game. He just was not going to let the Warriors lose. And it's just like you said, Tom, it's just unfortunate when you have these two catastrophic injuries. Hopefully Clay will have more of a speedier recovery. Yeah, that's a dangerous recovery. You know, I, I tore my ACL, <laughs> but I didn't have the money to get the uh, rehabilitation and the in the surgery, but uh, the Achilles tendon, from what I've heard, the dangerous thing is, okay, the, the surgery's great, but it's kind of like back surgery. You have got to follow the doctor's orders to the letter. You cannot goof around because any goofing around, you'll re-injure that thing, and you're talking another six months to 12 months back on the injured list. That injury is much more difficult to recover from than uh, the ACL, just because it's so very delicate. Yeah, and it will take probably anywhere from 200 to over 360 days, you know, 65. That's where the, it depends on the person, right? The most notable stars who have had this injury, DeMarcus Cousins, it took him 385 days. However, that's a pretty big body that has to recover from that. Kobe Bryant was in the 220s as well. So it's like, you look at these, he's out for the majority of next season. And but but even when you just, say those days, still, even on top of that, you got to add more time because they still got to build up the yeah, muscle around right, it. And, right. You know, you're talking a minimum year. He's out. He's yeah, out for out. next year yeah. and plays out for next year. So it's going to be an interesting NBA for next season. However, what the Toronto Raptors did is they basically withstood everything that was thrown at them. Mm-hmm. They've had, you know, they were resilient. They, they surprised me because I told you that the Milwaukee Bucks would be in the finals and shows you how wrong well, I was. You're not the only one. I yeah. mean, like, that's, that's kind of like the thing is you look at Giannis, like he's really young to at 24 and he is a budding superstar. Right. But he wasn't ready for that moment yet. Just thought they were too young and had not enough playoff experience. But when you go into playoff kind of situation, you got a guy like Danny Green been there. You got a guy like Kawhi Leonard been there. You know, you former got this, finals MVP. Yeah, you you got this <laughs> that guy team. Helps. You got this team that has gone yeah. through the Eastern Conference, got to the Eastern Conference Finals the year before and lost to LeBron James. There's no LeBron James now. So Kawhi Leonard was the best player in this playoff, and he showed why. And now they're champions, and you get the city of Toronto who has never won a championship in their franchise. First NBA franchise to win a a title outside the U.S. Right. That's Canada. That's Canada. And they got the whole nation behind them, so 35 million people were really supporting them, and it's awesome to see. And the last time Toronto won any major championship was was the the back-to-back champs, the Toronto Blue Jays, when they beat the uh, Braves in 92 and the Phillies in 93. Wow. Yeah, that was it. The and then the hockey team? <laughs> the Canadian hockey teams have not won anything since the early 90s. I think it's the, the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. might have been the, the last one to win it for Canada. Wow. 
Canada has won plenty of Stanley Cups. I mean, you yeah. look at Edmonton. I think Montreal Canadiens have the most of any right. franchise, yeah. including all the American franchises. Who was the guy that hit the home run in 1993? Joe Carter. Joe Carter. Joe Carter. Yeah, the epic Joe Carter. The walk-off, just like Kawhi Leonard did. It's so poetic because those are very similar. In a sense, that happened in the second round of the series, but he hit the walk-off to, to advance to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals where Joe Carter hits the walk-off to win the World Series. It's going to be an interesting next year of the NBA, and, and things are already starting to heat oh, up. Oh, yeah. So we got right that now. huge trade. Anthony Davis Anthony coming Davis. to the Lakers. You know, I think we get to see the last of LeVar Ball. Kevin, you're a Lakers fan. What do you think about Anthony Davis? I think it's a great trade for both teams. I think New Orleans is going to be extremely young, and they'll have a nice young core to build around Zion Williamson. I think it's going to be exciting you know, for Williamson to play in New Orleans, and he'll see how great the fans are in New Orleans, and they're really going to rally behind Zion and whoever else they get. If it's Jarrett Culver at the fourth pick, they got Brandon Ingram. We'll see Lonzo Ball. I think we'll probably do a lot better being out of a major spotlight like Los Angeles and all the drama that his dad's created. Well, I don't think it's that. I think he, the, getting him the ball in his hand, more than anything and yeah yeah the spotlight too definitely but i think more than anything else it's him because when lebron came he didn't get the ball in his hand yeah and so you saw ty at times he was like well what do i do i can't shoot can't do anything else you know as far as the lakers side i've been listening to a lot of talk radio the last few days just to find out what the lakers are going to do it's like as a laker fan i love it they went out they got anthony davis they didn't have to give up kyle kuzma right but all the lakers have under contract right now is lebron james anthony davis kyle Al Kuzma, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga. Does anybody know who he is? No. So that's it. If the trade does go down and completes by July 6th, from what I understand, they'll have about $23.7 million of the cap. Now, if they do some crafty stuff and try to work the deal to where it will close July 31st, they can expand and have about $32 million in cap space. By Meaning, like, they would draft the fourth pick, pay the fourth pick as part of the trading well, of I salaries. I, yeah, that's going to be tough. But I don't think that's going to happen. No. I don't think New Orleans is going to help us out that much. So it's all a matter of now. It's like, okay, we got Anthony Davis. You're not going to get Kawhi Leonard. That's no. just wishful he, thinking. Well, he already came out today and said that he would prefer to play for the Clippers or the Raptors. There you have it. Yeah. yeah. So with that said, I think a nice fit would be Kemba Walker. I think that would be a, a nice fit. He's a young point guard. But uh, I also heard that he wants to stay in Charlotte because he wants to win in Charlotte. Well, but that would be a nice combination. When has Charlotte won, though, in a while? You know, it's going to take them a, quite a bit. And, you know, it's just what the players say one day. But you, you just can't take it for face value because you just don't know really what they mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Paul George wanted to be a Laker. And, yeah. you know, Kevin Durant couldn't see himself leaving. So it's Oklahoma. all about how they're going to complete this roster. There is a deep pool of uh, a lot of role players available, but you know, you're not just going to build a, a team like Toronto has just with all their role players that are going to step up. I just don't think it's guaranteed the Lakers going to be a championship contender next year. They're not going to win the title if they don't build this team outright. The thing about it is if you go and, and then you got to develop and, chemistry. Yeah, you do. You look at it from a perspective of the Lakers. Would you rather have a lot more balance? Well, of course. You you want to have balance, but you needed someone else to go with LeBron James because why would you sign LeBron James? You needed that. You needed to (laughs) go out and do that, but you need to bring in guys like J.J. Redick, guys that can shoot and score because 
LeBron's just going to want to kick it to him. Well, we'll see what they do. You know, that's yeah. what's going on right now. It's just a matter of how they're going to construct this team. Well, I can't tell the difference of two seasons ago Lakers or the New Orleans Pelicans. They're just never going to win a championship again because they don't have the Ball brothers. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Where do you want to go next? You want to talk a little U.S. Open? Because I thought that was a, yes. a really nice tournament back at Pebble Beach. I think the last time it was in Pebble Beach, Tiger Woods won. Yeah, well, 2000. Yeah, that, 2002. That's when, yeah. That's when he was the only player in minus. He was the only player right. in minus and had a 15 stroke lead, and he finished 12 under. So the next closest guy was plus three. That's when the yeah. golf course was really, really hard back so then. So 10 years ago, the winner of this U.S. Open, Gary Woodland, was yeah. trying to make the cut at Pebble Beach, uh-huh. and that's when his father had some issues and had a heart attack and, you know, it's all this other stuff. So he was spending time with Dad. Dad had, a, you know, a triple bypass surgery, and so he didn't really do so well then. So how fitting is it 10 years later to the day he wins and he beats out, I think, the hottest golfer in the last couple of years is yeah. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. And Kepka was coming on strong in that final day. I didn't realize he, he's a two-time U.S. Open winner. He's yeah. won the last two, and he just won the PGA Championship. Mm-hmm. He definitely it was really close. He's still the, the hottest golfer, for sure. Well, absolutely. He's the top guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gary Woodland is an incredible story in general. You couldn't have picked a better guy for this to happen to at the Waste Management Open. He took the time out of uh, a girl who had special needs autism and let her play the hole with him and she ended up getting a par and you, you just have to watch the video he's such a cool that's just so touching you i know, know and he yeah. was just so positive what a class so, act he's a, such a class uh i was so happy to see him win i like brooks kepka the golf course was yeah. really dry the entire week which is huge for the players to get these low scores there wasn't much wind so you saw these great scores and these great play gary woodland u.s open champion how cool is that he still can't believe it <laughs> I, I, I still can't believe it either yeah. you, you know what probably was driving him nuts is you know since he's out in front his score is done and then and then you've got to see what what the guy's going to do behind you and close that gap on you and the the other thing about golf in, in pebble beach is i guess since the weather was good compared you get wind or you get rain you know they had wind they had some rain at the french open you know and the wind played a big factor in 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 games and it does likewise in golf very much and pebble beach is just not gonna forgive you for for being off you know off the fairway too much i mean you could actually literally be in into the beach or into the ocean (laughs) it was somewhere you don't want to be yeah it was a very calm day it was very calm weekend for them i didn't see any sort of miles per hour going above 10 so that's pretty good yeah and yeah to like to tom's point is like you can hit a ball straight and that wind will take it and you can see it go into the ocean like yeah Let's get into some quotes here. All right. Well, one of my first ones, which you may already have, is uh, enjoy the moment. Have fun with it. Ha, ha, Oh, my God. I had to repeat that one. Quiet, Leonard. At the uh, the celebration, fortunately, a few shots rang out that celebration. But thank goodness, four people are with minor injuries and three suspects that have been apprehended. Canadian police did a really good job of quieting that up. I have a quote from Daryl Morey. He said, dysfunction is actually a good thing. He's talking about the rift between Chris Paul and James Harden. I don't know. I, I think you're kind of, <laughs> I think you're pulling me in my leg on that one. 
because there was reports about CP3 being unhappy with the Rockets, and then you also have just like the Lakers 2.0 that came out from Baxter Holmes on ESPN, where it just showed everything. I think that's the new MO for people is showing basketball teams dysfunction because there's now a a giant article that's like 15 pages about the Rockets dysfunction. Well, the Rockets are kind of stuck with Chris Paul because three years left and 122 million. I think no one's going to pay that price for him. You know, and, and at one point there was like a quote that said, I want to go back to L.A. I want to go play with LeBron <laughs> or something like that. I'm like, you just left L.A. You want to go back? So I got a, a nice quote by Roger Federer. Wimbledon has always been the tournament of my dreams. Obviously, he's an eight-time champ, the winningest men's player, singles men's player at Wimbledon. One ahead, Pete Sampras. He has six Australian Opens and five U.S. Opens and one French Opens. Wimbledon's looking really exciting, but the crazy thing is, since 2003, it's only been the big four. Federer's won eight of them, Nadal's won two, Djokovic has won three, and Andy Murray's won two. That spans out over 15 years, Mm. which leads me to the second quote I have. You're going to like this one. Younger players must take responsibility and break through the homogeny at Wimbledon to ensure there is a new champion this year. Stefanos Tsitsipas. Ah, Tsitsipas. He had a really nice uh, pre-conference. Right now, he, I think he's doing the Queen's uh, Championship right now. It's kind of like a, a tune-up, and Federer's doing something else for a tune-up on grass. Grass season's so fast. It's like you literally got a couple ATP 500s, then Wimbledon starts July 1st. And he's right. He says the young players like Denis Shapovalov and Taylor Fritz and, you know, along with Dominic Team and, uh, you know, Zverev, these are the younger guys that are coming up, the new crop. A team kind of leads the crop and team is more he's a clay court specialist so when Nadal does retire the team's going to be the man on clay I don't know if we're going to see this dominant the big three let alone the big four have done over the last 15 years but you got a couple guys that can really make some noise and that's Stefano Tsitsipas I've seen him down at the Australian Open now you put him on grass where it's a little bit faster surface that really benefits his game as it does Roger Federer Federer doesn't have that the big serve but what Federer has done as he's aged He's really expanded his game. He's really using the entire court. He His ball placement is just unreal. He's like an artist out there. It's like poetry and motion when he's playing. Wimbledon's going to be a lot of fun coming up. We'll be touching on that when July rolls around. Wimbledon's always exciting. The Queen and the England and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. My next quote is from Gary Woodland at the very end of a very humbling speech, and he's very humble. He goes, I just wanted to go out and prove to everyone I was good at golf. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good, good from our, our U.S. Open champion. Yeah. Weird to say. Tom, I, do you have a quote for us? No, no quote. No Actually, quotes. I got a quote for Tom. All right, perfect. Since he's yeah, wearing a UC Irvine hoodie, I'm really excited to play pro basketball in Australia. My coaches and teammates at UC Irvine set me up for this amazing opportunity I've always dreamed of playing overseas. Wait, wait, wait. We got a guess who says that. We got a guess. Jeez. Ooh. I don't know. That's tough. I don't even know. Our all-time three-point leader, all-time steals leader for the ladies' basketball team. Oh. Andy Ritter. She's going to play pro ball, so how about a round of applause for her? That's good. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Australia, producing great basketball players. That'll be fun for her. Oh, yeah. It is. But it's also the experience. You're in a foreign country. You get to really learn a lot, learn uh, learn a lot about different cultures and 
it's just so much fun. You know, you yeah. get to grow and become more worldly. And I think it's an awesome experience. So I know Tom is interested in the U.S. women's soccer. Yes. So Tom. we yes. have the U.S. women's World Cup. Yeah, the first, that. they won, what, 13 to nothing against yeah. Thailand. And I know they received some flack, like, oh, yeah, why are they celebrating goals 11, 12, and 13? Yeah. It's like, who are these people to tell them how to, when they can celebrate, when they're not supposed to celebrate? World Cup only comes around once every four years. And if I scored a goal for the first time, even though it's the last goal, the 13th goal, you celebrate. You, that's just how it is. You celebrate the goals that you score. It's, it's probably the same people that are getting upset about the bat flips and the touchdown yeah. dances and, you know. It's like it's, I think the term is the purists, the purest of the game. We need to make it pure, no emotions, no nothing. If you don't want Come Cam on. Newton to do the Superman, then you score. know, like, and score, on. then stop him from scoring. I I yeah. loved Carly Lloyd's reaction to when she scored against Chile, and she just did the golf clap, like just <laughs> just did the golf clap in the next game. You know, this is probably arguably our best national team in any sport like right you can make, it, you can it, make the it, argument right there they needed to score those goals because the thing is goal differential it makes a difference matters. in yeah in this first round the stage groups now are they going for their how many straight world cups are they going well for? this they won it back in 2015 but they lost it back in 2011 so they won it in 2015 However, in group stage, they actually played Sweden, and uh, they didn't beat them. They just it was a zero-zero tie, but they still advanced and went on to win the World Cup. However, in the Olympics in 2016, Sweden beat the U.S. in the quarterfinals, and that was kind of an upset. So it's a bad taste in the U.S. women's mouth to lose to fall that short in the Olympics in Rio. So they're playing Sweden. They're already going to advance, but still, it's one of those games where this is some serious competition for them. Yeah, <laughs> it, this will be a good, good to see. This it's a good warm a good up, game. I guess. You know, I mean, U.S. is going to advance, Sweden's going to advance. So I don't know how long like so the starters are going to be in, or however, however that right. works. But uh, oh well, here's the thing about this U.S. women's team: you take the people on the bench. They could start for any other country. So, right. But, yeah, but you could say the same about okay. Sweden. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I yeah. think Sweden just plays them well. But the, the most talented women's soccer players in the world come from the U.S. True. It's, it's a fact. You know, it's it's this women's soccer team is legit. And they are, I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they really represent the United States of America very well. So, absolutely. So I think they're playing in a couple of days, Sweden. So we'll get a little taste of what that's yeah, going to be like. I think it's on Wednesday. And then the knockout stage happens, and that's yeah. where it all counts. Yep. Mm-hmm. It gets, that's, that's showtime then. It's one and out. You know, it's like college basketball. You, you lose, you have a bad game, you're gone. Just like in the, the quarters in 2016 in Rio, they had a they got beat. Yeah. yeah. Tom, so. what's your thoughts on the World Cup so far? I, I'm not counting – Anybody, I mean, the the strong teams, I think, you know, like you mentioned, Sweden, uh, it looks like the UK is playing really well, or England, actually, because they're actually split up. Scotland is obviously not playing well. And that I, I guess Australia is 1 2 lost one or something last time I checked. So it's, it's, it's highly competitive. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, the US is really, really good, but I, I see a lot of good teams. Uh, Spain played uh, China, I think, to a 0-0 draw mm-hmm. the other day, if, if I remember correctly. So that, And I know the women's uh, Chinese team has been very good in, in the past. 
and that, and I've got to think that Spain has got to have a decent team. And France, obviously, is going to be charged up because the men won the World Cup. And, you know, they there's a little little pride there on the line. Absolutely. So they're going to be playing at their at their highest level. Yeah, so. and it's in their home country. That's right. Home field advantage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Watch out for the Yellow Jackets taking the field or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love the World Cup, though. Any of these world competition sports where I think that's what brings the globe together and also gets out our angst, if you will. No need for war. We just play sports. That's right. It's a lot safer. Right. It's a lot safer. You're right. Keep surgeons employed. That's for sure. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of injuries in sports. So oh, I know. It, and it's like that with all sports. And yeah. we also had a, another champion that was crowned just a night oh, before yeah. that's right. the Raptors was the... St. Louis Blues. Yes. St. Louis gave Boston the Blues. I love the Blues. They won in Boston, right? Yeah, they They won won it in Boston. They they won. That was another weird series of winning on the road for for both teams. They went on the road. But that was a game seven. Yeah. That was a crazy game. I mean, you had a rookie goaltender stand on top of his head, like legitimately standing on top of his head, saving his team with just unbelievable save after unbelievable yeah. save. And that's kind of the M.O. is he sometimes he does bad, but the next game he bounces back, and he had a bounce-back game from Game 6 and Game 7. The team wins. You had O'Reilly scoring 25% of all the goals by the Blues in this series, 25%. He scored five of them out of, I believe, the 25. So that's pretty good. Well, he's a great right player. There. He's a Hands great down. player, hands yeah. down. And yeah. so you look at you look at the Blues, and you're like, wow. And if you're in for a little bit of a chuckle, you should look up the Brett Hull celebration speech and uh, him singing Gloria, Gloria. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's a little bit more on the aggressive side than the the song. Goes. But think about this, Tom. You know, they're a dead last place, like yeah, the first week of January. Yep. And then, I don't know, they and have had so many injuries to their right? goalkeepers. They bring up Biddington. Yep. And here here you are. You're a rookie. You're just in the yeah. IHL. You just got into the professional yeah. hockey league. And next thing you know, he's the first rookie to win 16 games in the postseason. I think that the that, that's amazing. And for him to for him to bounce back, it's like I don't know if if he even knew what was as far as like the pressure of being in the playoffs and as it advances each each round around around. But game seven on the road, how much pressure? Has there how ever, calm was he? Has there ever been a professional sports team to be in last place in January or like the midway point? Midway, or I'll just yeah. say the midway point of their season and win the championship. Has there ever been a sports team like that? There's, There's been some baseball teams that have been pretty far back from, from the lead. I wouldn't say they, were, they weren't they were last in their division, but, you know, like there have been a couple of baseball teams that have come back from, like, 15, 18 well, games this, back. They, but, they they, but these guys were last. Like I mean, they, last they were the worst. The lead. The, yeah. They had the <laughs> they worst, worst record the worst. in January, and they went, and they went on this just tear and yeah. got into the playoffs and then won. I make the argument that's the most incredible thing that has happened in this, this year, past, for sure. Yeah, in this yeah. year and maybe this decade, from last to first, a rookie goaltender, that's the most important position in hockey, is the goaltender. That's the guy. That's your quarterback. That's your leader. And he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Their defenseman did a really good job helping him out. 
I mean, that, they, you got to give credit to her defensive well, yeah, line. They did, a, they did a great job of really helping them out. But at the same time, Thanks. Biddington came up with some brilliant saves. Yeah. And you, know, you also learned on some of those days because Boston was was a, uh, it's a weird team. Boy, they attack and attack and attack. Yeah. And sometimes they'll score goals. And they had, what, scored six goals, seven goals? I mean, they could just, just explode. They just, yeah. they're relentless. And to be able to slow them down and, and, and take away some of their angles – well, from what I understand, in Game Seven, so in the last like twenty, thirty seconds of the of the first quarter, Boston botched a line change, and St. Louis snuck in that second goal, which turned out to be that was a real huge goal. To I guess they like picked the puck kind of thing because you know they do those line changes, and you really you got to be on top of what's going on. And it looked like Boston, from what I read, you know they just half asleep kind of went through that line change less than a minute to go in a quarter and St. Louis grabbed the puck and boom put it in and we're up two to nothing and you got to take advantage of every opportunity yeah, that's yeah. a very interesting yeah and Boston I think was what 30 mid 30s shots on goal to like maybe 19 for St. Louis so St. Louis played efficient and their goal goaltending was superlative you saw a city go crazy for a team it was a way cooler story for the St. Louis Blues to win. But also and their inspiration, uh, this oh, 11-year-old yeah. girl, Lila Anderson, who's a cancer survivor, or she's fighting cancer. It's so sad, I mean, for children I to know. be diagnosed with cancer. But she's kind of like been their rock and their inspiration. So just taking them to the next level. And it was cool to see her celebrate with the Blues. She got to touch the Stanley Cup trophy. and I think she deserves yeah. a day with Stanley Cup. She yeah. did. I think no, she, she did. She, she was part of the celebration. She was part of the festivities. That's what's just so great about a nice small city like St. Louis. Everybody comes together. So that was really cool to see. And also, too, it brings a lot of awareness, you know, to cancer and, and all different types of cancers. And, you know, I've experienced it with my niece, you know, who was diagnosed with Cordoma's cancers about two and a half years ago. It's no joke. It's great to have this awareness. And it's great that people donate, donate their time, donate their money, whatever it takes to uh, assist with the cancer research. Yeah. So these little girls like Lila can live a long life. Yeah, I think it's a really cool story. And you want to know something? There's kind of a fun little fact about the, the NHL Stanley Cup. You have to have a guy monitor it, and it's the same guy from wherever the Stanley Cup goes. So if that goes into the bathroom, the guy goes into the bathroom with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he has to be around the Stanley Cup at all times, and I would love to interview him to see some of the stuff he's seen with that cup. I mean, like, that's kind of crazy. I mean, last year we saw Alex Ovechkin, like, drinking beer out of it like a keg stand, you know? Like, yeah. it's kind of crazy to think that one guy literally follows it around. I can only imagine what <laughs> what has gone on <laughs> with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Tom, thank you for sitting in, and we're so glad to have you back on Tuesdays. Oh, I know. Yeah, back on Tuesdays, and I'm on Mondays for the summer. So uh, two, two days. Two yeah, days, two back a to back. Two-a-days, hey, shows. He's doing his two-a-days, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, ladies of Voice Entertainment and Music then, on, on Tuesday. Tuesday and on then Tuesday. what about Monday? What's Monday? It's uh, Mellow Monday Melodies. Triple M's? Yeah, Triple M. All right, Triple M. Mellow Monday Melodies. 